Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Listen, something fantastic has happened. After a sold-out debut in January, my solo show Rebirth is back and better than ever with an all-new, all-different edition on Tuesday, March 10th at 7 p.m. The show is the most personal thing I've ever done and the work I'm proudest of in my career. I lean on this podcast as a source of community, and on that first night at the duplex, I felt that love build into a cone of explosive power from every person in the room. I'd like you to be there when we do it again. For the second edition, I have no plans for reruns, so if you were there in January, I hope you can come back. Count on new revelations, new breakthroughs, and new super divas. I've got a lot to work through. So I hope you can join me Tuesday, March 10th at 7 p.m. at the historic duplex. Tickets are indeed available at davidgoldberg.online and the duplex site. See you there. Mwah. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the luminaries. The divinely gifted performer Jack Bartholet joins me to showcase his voice and his diamond sense of humor. I hope you enjoy. Jack Bartholet, welcome. Oh my God, it's already happening. Um, I have to say, well, I was just about to say this, like often uh, when you have someone in here before you record, it's like, how are you? Good. How are you? Is there anything we should talk about? <sighs> With you, it's like we are hobnobbing. We have a million things to talk about. Oh, my God. And, you know, you were the best because after my solo show, I spent the whole night with you we uh, were out till 3 a.m. It was bliss. And I was like, oh, Jack and I can talk for y- endlessly. Uh, we could be stranded. Gab, right. Like it's um, I will be all over the place. Same. Positive of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Talking so much to the point where you then see a speech pathologist and they're like, do you really overuse your voice? And you're like, I just actually can't stop talking. But I rarely, I don't have that with a lot of people. I, I, I get very exhausted with most people. With you, I'm like, we can just fucking rattle. Oh, I love that. And we're both Tauruses. And the other similarity that I've been noticing with us, which I noticed at Mattachine at Julius last week, I consider myself when I'm like let out at a party to be like a little bit of a hobnobber like mm-hmm. I'm the girl at the bat mitzvah who like kind of <laughs> knows everybody mm-hmm. you are the same thing <laughs> oh, totally. and with people, you're almost, I feel like anyone I don't know you've got them covered and vice versa so like when I let you out in more of the like downtown diva kind of cabaret world yes. I am seeing you you know kissing cheeks <laughs> you know like shaking hands hobnobbing yeah. and even at, at uh, Madachine last week it was amazing because first of all it was after my solo show it was 
it the whole night was so uh, we were saying we felt like we were in a Hollywood set of the West Village. It was so surreal. Oh, it did feel that way. And at Mattachine, the music was gorgeous. It was Angie DiCarlo, and she was like, "Oh, Jack, you got to be our midnight singer Uh-oh. soon." And you were like, "Oh, babe," you know. It was so. I was like, "Are is this like?" Fran Lebowitz is New York where just like everyone knows each other it was amazing yeah I'm obsessed with her I think um, I maybe was telling you some of of, um, sort of my intro to Ange DiCarlo while music was playing but I I didn't know how insanely terrific she was until I went to this weird Today Ticks like Halloween event in Greenwood Cemetery and yeah it started pouring rain and I went down into a Spiegel tent to seek shelter and she was singing her song that she does reprise. She did it in her Christmas show as well. And she just changes the holiday, but it was happy Halloween, bitch sister. And I was like peeing my pants. And she was like, does anybody here have a bitch sister? I was just like, who is this person? I went up to her immediately and was like, you have to gig out out at Club Coming. And she was like, honey, I have, I am. You can see me there these days. I'm obsessed with her. I love her. Um, but yes, yeah, she's so terrific, and um, and your friend Michelle, who is so lovely, Melissa, Melissa, Melissa Stokowski, wait, I, former m- luminary, friend of the show, yes, icon. I've messed her name up. I oh, apologize. But she's like, I'm happy you guys met because you're both downtown divas. Oh, I love that. But she was saying she was like, you impressed me with your confidence that you just sort of like looked at Angie and was yeah. like, yeah, I'd love to be the midnight singer. Yeah. But I mean, Jesus Christ, you just have to say yes when people ask you to do things. You're right, and. This is the other thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and more about your solo show. I mean, oh my God. I, of many things in life that I think I'm still working on, there is one that I think I've conquered, which is if someone gives you a compliment, take it and you shut your to. fucking mouth and take it, you stupid bitch. And that Absolutely. took me years. And now, I, what was great about the solo show was the night of, I was just able to say, Thank you. When people said nice things and wanted to celebrate after. And it was great because when people can say to you, oh, Jack, you have a divine voice. You're funny. You're charming. Please perform. You can say, yes, bitch, I'll do it. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. And the other thing is that have you ever paid someone a compliment where it was a little challenging for you to muster up the words? Yes. And the answer is yes. And so you know that some compliments could be like flippant and very easy and you're like thanks babe thanks babe but sometimes you're like that might have taken a little bit of effort yeah. for the person to to look me in the eye and say what they were saying and it is not fun when i compliment someone and they start sh- oh god sh- just take it it's I know. not Keep a good a jur- luck, d- write a, write in your journal babe, you know the artist way i know it, it's there for i you. know so who were you saying um described your show as earnest because i 10,000% that was the exact word and I almost took to social media to write about that exact Thank you. vibe um, because sometimes we like to make fun of Ernest because it's very it easy. It terrifies me. Well, it's very easy to make fun of Ernest because when people are are providing that generosity of spirit, it can feel a little... Um, twee as the brits would say right it can feel like a little neat and wrapped up in a bow and delicate and or it could be like when you see like a hot instagram gay who's like 
doing a shirtless pic and then talking about like how his grandpa just died of cancer <laughs> and it's like this is not good and like, they're this not is related right like and again keep a journal like you <laughs> you're doing something wrong um but no earnest was the exact word that i would use to describe it and then sometimes people hit earnest on on right like hit that nail with a hammer with the head of the nail we may never know <laughs> we really you know we don't have the technology they just get that. it right yeah, yeah hammers aren't you know it's uh, I something really i don't need to know about, about. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i my greatest fear was it being like hannah gadsby hour and, and mm. earnest to me is also literalistic which mm-hmm. is fair i'm like i don't really like that mm-hmm. and max who was just in here he i lay awake at night being like max Ruby, there are a few other people where I'm like, they're not going to like this. They're going to be disappointed in me because I've gone in this, like, Hannah Gadsby direction. Mm. Fortunately, they were the ones who were like, I love this. This is who you Yeah, you, you are. said what you needed to say. Yeah. And, like, there was an urgency in in that need, right? Yes. Like, need with a capital N. Thank you You needed to say that. it. Yeah, it was great. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course, as you know, I did a, a double feature at the duplex that evening and stayed along with Amanda Duarte for Molly Pope's show, Molly Pope, A Gay Man and a Piano. And Molly Pope is another one like Angie DiCarlo, I think, where you were like, the first time you saw her, you were like, who is this bitch? I'm going to know oh. her for the rest of my life. And you you did. Like, you really aren't afraid to be like, listen, yeah. we're in this world together and yeah. I'm obsessed with you. Obsessed with her. I think she's the best. It's funny that we're doing a podcast right now. It's the first podcast I've ever done. But when I saw Molly Pope's show, <laughs> what, like four or five years ago, it was an audience with Molly Pope at Joe's Pub, the first one. Um, I was like, this is shockingly beautiful, raw, special. It has me thinking. So I took to podcast app, which I've been obsessed with podcasts like forever. It's born into your phone. Yeah. Like any subject that fascinates me, it goes right into the search bar and I see (laughs) who's talked about it. Anyone I fall in love with, have they ever done an interview? And I just go right to it. But Molly had done a couple and she talked one about what we were just talking about if someone asks you to do something say yes say Mm. yes to every gig if you can yeah because you'll get better at you know and rufus always used to say that too when Mm. young artists would say like what can i do to get better he would be like if someone asks you to play a birthday party and and you have aspirational performance goals say yes to the birthday party i wish i had learned that in when i was younger because i I so self-sabotage myself of like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be doing it. And it's like, actually, you're you're supposed to be exactly right here right now, bitch. That's correct. Do do what's coming to you. Listen. Yes. So, okay, we're on to self-saboteurs already. Um, (laughs) It is so not lost on me that – so I want to be a Buffy. You're going to get me to be a Buffy. I'm presently not a Buffy, but only because I haven't opened the door. But it is not lost on me that Rebirth's sort of central theme, if you will, was dismissing, like, vampires, slaying vampires. And so when I did my first solo show at the Duplex in 2015 called Two Drink Minimum, (laughs) um, the opening song was Die, Vampire, Die. Wow. From title of show. Wow. And I did rewrite some lyrics, which I later told the creative team at an artist residency. And they were like, um, don't tell us that you rewrote <laughs> our words. Um, so hot on the mic. Please no, pull, <laughs> pull it away from You are me. bliss. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, um, 
when I wrote my first, when I wrote To Drink Minimum, it was very much, I couldn't sort of start the show without doing Die Vampire Die and just saying, like, I must slay that inner saboteur. And RuPaul was, of course, super influential in, like, getting that language and sort of concept cemented in my mind. But, um, But, yeah, we both did solo shows and we're like, hey, vampires, get the fuck away. I yeah, love that. or like come to me and I will fucking deal oh, with you now. I will deal with you. I know how. But then once you've done that, the rest is kind of cake. I mean, I was really able to enjoy the whole night because I was like, well, we face death tonight, so yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no catch. There's no nothing to mm-hmm. come. So mm-hmm. um, your solo show, Lady with a Song, you've done this. When did you first do it? January of last year. Amazing. Yeah. So. It's evolved a lot, and it's definitely, like, I think it's also, it's a shocker, and I think it's not what people expect, and it, like, it does have a lot of gut punches, and I'm curious about, like, its development, its genesis, mm-hmm. how you were able to, like, uh, get people on board with, like, this vision of this, like, mm-hmm. um, kind of pop fantasia that has this, like, really dark revelation. Yeah, well, one way is to not tell them what the show's about. <laughs> That's, I agree, that's number uh, one. Especially social media, right? So people were um, asking, what, what, what's the show about? What can I expect? And I would say... Well, uh, it's called Lady with a Song, and the set list really ranges from, like, pop to folk to Weimar Republic (laughs) to protest songs, and it, you know, opens with an Ethel Merman tune called Lady with a Song. Um, But I think that's one way I got people, you know, quote-unquote, to sort of go along with it is just by not telling them what what hard left direction I sort of take them on at a certain point. Yeah. but development um, and genesis was birthed of two drink minimum, right? So I, I asked a friend, Julian Fleischer, to come see me um, before I moved to London for about a year. And when I got back from London, he asked if I was curious to go to the Orchard Project, which is an artist residency based in Saratoga Springs. Obsessed. Um, and I went for the first year as an artist and returned the second year both as an artist in residency and um, on the production staff to help mount the cabarets of Tanya Pinkins, Charles Bush, Lady Rizzo, um, <laughs> and uh, someone else. The, we love to hear it. Uh, this we, is delicious. I mean, those are the people. This is what, this is what the podcast is all about. Keep going. <laughs> I love, I just love the hopnopping. I love the names. Keep going. Yeah. Um, so the first year I went up and didn't really have a music director. I had Drew Wutke at my disposal for like an afternoon. Right. But the ideas were really germinating. And it was after the election. And I, speaking of earnestness, was like, okay, what solo artist right now isn't going to be talking about these deep, dark feelings about how we right. live in a super nationalistic I mean, like, just yesterday, EU, you know, Brexit, yeah. it's it's happened, right? So, like, our performance artists in, in London talking about Brexit? Of course they are. Right. But I needed, I needed to find a way that I could talk about what was happening right in the moment, but also make it, like, in, in a bigger context. Right. And 
it was guns. And it was guns that are school shootings, which we see on average, like once a day, mass shootings once a day. And then it was guns in my family. And so, yeah, I was like, I can't market a show and be like, it's a show about guns. Right. And I never did. Good. Because also (laughs) then it becomes, because it it also isn't that, because it is a personal show. It's totally, it's not you being like, I'm a performer who's taking a stand on politics. It's actually you telling your story and being real about like what you've been through. So yeah, you can't. You can't just be like exactly right. Yeah, so it's I, more complex than that. Yeah, so I um, the second year I returned with a friend of mine, Sarah Zucker, who's an incredible video artist and a writer based in LA. But I've known her since I was thirteen, and she was a major. Uh, she was super encouraging of me to write to Drink Minimum back in 2014. Yes, it happened after an acid trip. Yes, honey. like I completely give that trip like major credit. For, oh, honey, for like birthing. Please, Melissa. Yeah. Rebirth came because Melissa Stokowski and I did mushrooms and watched uh, Mama Mia. Here we go again. I mean, that, to that's Mama, where to, it comes. Mia. to Mama, honey. Ah, <laughs> uh, does your mother know? Um, uh, <laughs> um, I yeah. So I. She came sort of in a dramaturg role, Julian directed, and my pianist Yazi Higufukuoka um, came, and he is so incredibly efficient, musically genius, Japanese, brilliant. Like, I could be like, hey, Yaz, like, I have six or seven songs that I'm thinking about singing, and the sheet music doesn't exist. It's And it's on parchment paper. Yeah. <laughs> And he's, give me a half hour. Yeah. And then he'd come back to the rehearsal studio and be like, is this key okay or do you want it down? And I'd Which be like, changes everything because then you can just relax. Changes everything. He's yeah. a genius. I love him. He's totally become family. Um, so, yeah, we worked on it for a week. And then we did an artist presentation. Um, in that lineup, I think, was a Joseph Keckler and a Penny Arcade. And I was super nervous because I was like, what am I, you know, imposter syndrome. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I have this piece that I don't exactly know how to talk about it. Like, is it like, is it a queer cabaret? Is it just cabaret? Like, am I like, you know, a too loud tenor, you know, who's had an exit from musical theater? Like, I was like, what is this? And then, um... I got back to the city and I was planning my wedding. So I sort of tucked Lady with a song away. And then right before the wedding, I showed my husband Joe rehearsal footage. And it was wackadoodle. And I wanted to go weird. So I'm like in a skirt and in the Orchard Project iteration, I'm literally singing a Weimar Republic while smashing a cake with a baseball bat and then putting it onto a platter and serving the audience. And he was like, what is this? You have to do it. Yeah, bitch. So I think right before we went on our honeymoon, I booked January dates at Pangea. And then, yeah, I've been doing it for a year, eight separate runs, uh, both in New York and London. The most amazing thing, I think, is just booking the date. It's the same as buying a plane ticket somewhere. It's like once the date is set, you don't have to – everything will be fine. Everything will get done. It's just the thing of, oh, this thing is now happening, period. It is that. Maybe one day it's happening. Absolutely. Good or bad. It could be a shit show, but you are doing it. Yeah. Period. 
There's a life coach that I met from the New York City Gay Men's Chorus um, okay, like seven years ago. I don't speak to him anymore, but we he, in order to do, to get his like certification, which also like, what's a life coach? Am yeah. I a life coach? Are you a life coach? Is this a podcast a life yeah. coach? You know, like, um, uh, I'm not, you know, diminishing them in any way because in reality it was super helpful. But he said like, I have to do some pro bono sessions in order to get um, uh, like on paper certified. So do you want to do a 60-minute free over the phone? We had a really long chat. I went to the Brooklyn Promenade, um, and then he ended with like, okay, well, here's the million-dollar question. Nothing's an issue. Money, time, space, Mm. travel. What do you do? And I was like, well, I'm just – I'm a cabaret star, and I I perform not only in New York but in cities all over the world. What can you do tomorrow that can make that happen? I was like – reach out to the duplex and book a date and he was like sounds like you need to do that tomorrow so i did you know like yeah so what you're saying yes once the date is on you're like okay all right kermit like we've got a show to do you know (laughs) yeah like you better get those pencils sharpened and write a show you're right because I feel like since the show's ended, I've been back to being in scattered mode and not feeling like my life uh, – like everything's just in chaotic mode again. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot what it was like to have this focus. And that that really – it's literally just a mindset. I know. I'm, bless my husband. When I don't yeah. have a gig on the books, I feel like I'm like shrapnel floating through space. Totally. No idea what's going on. That's when the bad habits start to totally. kick in. That's when the mind wanders. And then I put a gig on the books, and I'm like, oh, my God. Well, here are all – the ducks start lying. I'm my like, diet's changing. I am I absolute, getting 12 my hours of sleep cha- a night. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy yeah. and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it makes me – you know, it makes me happy to commit to things. Like there's um, a really wonderful director and writer whose work I think you would really like. Uh, I sang in uh, his Pride show. His name's Jerry Geddes. Okay. Um, and he, I sang a Christmas thing at Pangea that Zach Zimmerman was in. We sent you a picture Amazing. of us eating pasta yes. and you were like, dad. Um. And I was also like, be careful with the pasta. Are you safe? I told you it got better. That night I was like, something's changed. <laughs> like maybe they've been like listening to your podcast. They took the, the rat chef. poison out <laughs> finally. Or they switched brands of yeah. rat poison. Yeah. But Jerry has this, uh, like he, he read a piece about. Cruise culture in the 80s about like men having sex in semi tractor trailers in the meatpacking district. I fully was yes. erect listening I to it and like this. could not. Like at one point, I'm like fully talking back at him. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Yeah, this is our next show. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Um, but he's put together um, something at Pangea called Fabulous First Fridays. And he's namely. It seems to me that he's predominantly focusing on on gay men and fabulosity. I think it will likely expand to queer culture, bigger umbrella right. term. But, you know, committing to even that, like occasionally um, jumping on to a show that's like quarterly or something, at least there's that, right? Yeah. Like you can sort of be like, if I'm not doing my own solo work, at least I can participate in this group show. And yes. it's the same sort of focus and clarity. Yes, and there's mo- that 
momentum, I think, is everything and that community oh is everything. God. Max and I were just talking about this because, you know, I was just having this conversation with Max Witter about how, like, he thought he'd be an illustrator. I thought I'd be a comic book writer. We both had these moments of, like, this is really isolating and depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, I need people. Mm-hmm. I need humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, Hold on one second. Okay. Sorry. No, um, not at all. So I want to talk about after... After Lady with a Song first started going, I know that you did press for it and you got to like kind of for the first time to the world announce a lot of the stuff you've been through. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I'm reconciling with. It's terrifying at a level I've never imagined. The consequences are crazy. And I'm just curious about – you gave me such like life-saving advice about it because I've had a lot of sleepless nights and I'm just curious about like what you got from having to like open up about your history yeah, and, and about what you learned about like valuing yourself versus mm-hmm. like protecting others. Yeah, well, we were sort of talking about this last week um, ab- about uh, creating art as if your parents are dead, right? Yes. And so there is – a detail and then like you said the show has evolved some so now there are a couple details in the show that speak to something that happened to me when I was 15 which was that my aunt took her own life Mm. and that of course not that it's a competition but that of course is sort of more personal to my mother it was her sister they grew up together they have critical mass history together Memories and, and a lifetime of sharing bedrooms and all that goes with having a sibling. For me, when I went when I was writing the show, something hit me like a ton of bricks that my aunt Susan taking her own life was obviously devastating because suicide is so deeply tragic and comes with sadness as well as anger. But it just hit me like a ton of bricks that she was the only queer person mm. in my life that I had ever interacted with before coming out, that I had ever seen exist in the world as a lesbian. I mean, she was sh- butch, wow. short haircut, flannel, had a wonderful partner named Sherry, and they, and she was obsessed with Judy Garland. She had a Judy Garland couch um, wow. with, like, print uh, uh, and... Uh, she was obsessed so with the Wizard of Oz. she was huge for you. She was huge for me. Honey, yeah. And so while I sort of wanted to be respectful and give space to my mother, my mom's also the youngest of nine. So she has eight, well, seven, because her brother Mark also took his own life. So suicide is sort of in my family. And while I wanted to give space and be respectful to the fact that it was more personal to my mom, that hit me that I was like, yeah, the only queer person I knew shot herself. And so... That sort of started speaking to me about guns and my relationship with guns in my family. Mm. And I'm the youngest of three. My older brother, Brian, is um, he's a Marine. He still works in the Marines presently. And we couldn't be more different if we tried. Same. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. your brother. Absolutely. And that, that, that Both my brothers. I mean, my brother Danny has guns in every room of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, David, that's funny. So I hadn't seen my brother for five years, give or take. I think, ta- I think give. Wh- which one's bigger, give or take? 
again, we really I, we, don't have not for that, us to understand. that technology not and that, for those resources here. It's like 3D printing. Yeah. It's like, um, I'm not even going to try. Honey, like, no. Ugh. Wall Street, like, pardon me. Um, what is it? I, I don't, don't know. know. Okay. Ring a bell, make a deal, you know, whatever. Um, so I hadn't seen my brother in years. And when I, when I went to his house like two years ago, um, he didn't offer me a glass of water or tea or coffee or, or Joe, who's my fiance at that time. He just showed us guns. And I found it so deeply troubling. And, um, and you know, it's possible he could Google me and this podcast link could come up and he'd listen. I don't think he will. Right. He has other interests and, and things to do with his life. But, yeah, I um, my friend Eric curates this quarterly salon, Eric Piepenberg. He was at the New York Times for 19 years in the culture department, and he is beyond a renaissance man. He's fabulous. And so about four times a year, he gets like 20-plus gay men in a room, and we eat snacks, and we go highbrow, lowbrow. Wow. We talk politics, pop culture, Everything that's happening and then suddenly like tips for how to give the best blowjob. Like we're all over the place. And so it was there that I met the fabulous writer Tim Tiemann. Do you know Tim Tiemann? No. Oh my God, you would love. Okay. He's Daily Beast. He's been Daily Beast for a long time, but he also has an incredible book called In Bed with Gore Vidal. Obsessed. It's beyond. His intellect is that type that you – you witness and then you're like, oh, I'm a dum-dum. Right. Like I'm a stupid, right. stupid slut. Right. Like <laughs> he's so smart and eloquent. And often in the salon, which I think the most refreshing part about it is that we don't all yes and each other. Like we definitely say like I disagree or can I push back on that? Because conflict Con- is not abuse. <laughs> Honey, it's not. Um, and so occasionally it'll, it'll get heightened and Tim Tiemann will have this really beautiful way of of sort of – bringing us all back down to earth. And it's like, well, this is your point and this is your point and this is sort of the intersection of truth. Anyway, I love his writing and he came to see Lady with a Song. And then at the next salon, he was like, I really would like to write about it. I don't know exactly what the angle is. Um, And it's funny because I don't think he (laughs) saw like any glamour in Pangea. Like he was like, what is it? Like it's a, (laughs) like it's a Mediterranean restaurant. And I was like, no, I was like, it is. But like, also you could stumble, you could stumble there on like a Tuesday and casually see Penny Arcade or John Cameron Mitchell. Like, you know, like it's, it's more clay woman (laughs) or clay. Exactly. Like you could just, you could sort of walk in and Bridget Everett could be doing clay woman, you know? And so you're like, it is a Mediterranean restaurant with questionable pasta, and it's also, like, fabulous. Yeah. So I I said, I don't know what angle you could write about the show. And he said, well, why don't we just – he invited me to see a reading of a play with him, and then we went to a diner, and he did an interview. And like this podcast, it was my first. Like, mm. I hadn't done a proper interview, and he fully, like, put – tape recorder on the table and was like so tell me about your mom and dad and I was like fuck yeah it he then asked like so your aunt took her her own life and um it was only like a couple weeks after my cousin David had done the same thing on that side of the family so my grandmother who is super central to the show 
to Lady with the Song. Yeah. She sort of is the Lady with the Song in yeah. a way. I am, she is. Totally. Um, and she's with me and she guides me and she'll never see the show and I sort of love that. Totally. Um, he was like, unpack some of that for me. And so I, I did. And when I talked about how my brother showed me his guns before saying, can I hang your coat up or give you a glass of water? And then a couple weeks later, dailybeast.com backslash Jack Barth, lay lady with a song, talks guns, suicide, and cabaret. You know, I just spoke truth. I tried to be devoid of hyperbole. Right. I tried to frame my emotion in a fair way, but I also wanted to say truth the same as like there's a microphone in front of me and I'm recording a podcast. And that was like my brother is obsessed with guns and I find it deeply, deeply toxic in the frame of toxic masculinity. Like people are obsessed with guns. It's sickness. It's super American. It's, and we're not allowed to talk about it. I and mean, we're not that's allowed like, to talk about and it. And that's where I think, like, the queer aspect and the performer aspect comes in of, like, okay, I've been, like, gaslit into living in this bizarre reality where I have to, like, pretend that these things that are totally bizarre and not normal are because you, you're, like, walking on eggshells Fragile to protect ego. people. Right. Exactly. So then you got kind of carve this space for yourself where you can – say like actually this is the truth period period and then it's very like brave and scary of you to be like okay well now i've said the truth i'm going to keep saying the truth yeah and like i'm 30 and i hope to be like the best man that i can be every day and and so have i made mistakes along the way of course everyone has my sister sort of was like are you going to give your our brother a heads up and I was like, no, I will talk about it with him should he ever stumble upon that article online. Um, but did I hide it from certain family members on social media? I sure did because yeah. I was like, you know what? I did say the truth. It it just happened and I said it. And so um, you're referring to life-saving advice because we were talking at Club Coming at Cabernet Cabaret when you read a beautiful piece about – your decisions to stop drinking about this essay you had written and read aloud and how New York Times author was sort of like, can we run with this in some capacity? And you were like, oh, my God, I don't know. And I was like, you can. And, and like, yeah, well, yeah, and you were like, bitch, send it. Like, yeah. they may not run it, but, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to have to keep cutting things? And right. there's been a lot I will talk about offline that okay. I'm dealing with after my show with this of, like, are you yeah like uh these kind of like well are you going to give people a heads up blah, blah, blah. and it's like oh i it, basically what i'm understanding is like i had getting a room the duplex is mm-hmm. the first time in my life where i could like carve a space to just mm-hmm. be myself and like now that that could be under negotiation or under fire, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this sucks, yeah. you know? So it's like, I'm not, I don't want to back down now. So I think you I should do it again. I am doing it again. Good. God damn it. I think you should Thank because you. it will only, like, you'll only find, like, the highs and lows, the humor versus, like, the the really deep, earnest stuff. And you're dancing in between parts one and six. Like Thank you. <laughs> it's so exciting. And I think that the more you do it, the more you'll, you, you, you'll understand what it is or I will 
time two, three, four, whatever you do it, you might be like, okay, Rebirth is done, and now David Goldberg does, and then some other idea could totally Thank burst you. into your head, you know? Yeah, well, the first time, I don't know if you've ever had this, the first time, I really just didn't know if I'd be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Even the day, because even the day of, I was like, every time we tried to rehearse it, we couldn't get through it without me losing my voice or something, and I was like, we're going to get up there and mm-hmm. see what happens. So now that I know I can do it, I'm like, oh, now... Let's see. Now you're like, there's a costume change, honey. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So you're – you are like divinely gifted in terms of – obviously you have such a sensibility. You have such a great sense of humor. You're a great writer. But you have this unbelievable gift, which is your voice. And I'm curious about like the development of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like when it occurred to you like – Okay, this is not like other people's voices <laughs> and like what it took for you to be like, oh, actually, like I might be that bitch, you mm-hmm. know? Well, thank you for saying that. Totally. Um, well, when I was nine, I was in a children's opera group called the Canton Children's Chorus. Okay, go and, off. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's crazy that like that's basically the immediate track to answering this question Amazing. is like – We met every Saturday. It was highly disciplined. We sang sophisticated music that I would later revisit as like a senior in public school. Wow. And I was a soprano. And I did that for two years every Saturday. And of course, then I started meeting friends that were like, oh, I'm – and it was in this insanely large building in Canton, Ohio that houses the voices of Canton, an art gallery, a theater, a ballet, a radio station – and like a ceramic studio. It's bonkers. It's beautiful. It's like wow. brutalist. It's so I, – I feel so lucky that that was my childhood because that was like 9 to 12 I did the children's chorus. And then I started doing musical theater across the hall at a theater company called the Players Guild. Um, and you're only allowed to do the, the chorus until I think you're like in eighth grade. And then you have to move on. And there was a concert where a girl – her name is Carrie Ringer. She has she had the most stunningly beautiful voice, and she sang a part of your world from The Little Mermaid, and I was obsessed. Yes. And I to, I listened to a recording of it over and over and over, and I, I my mom was like, Jack, you're going to have to start talking about something else. And I was like, I just can't get over how special her voice is. And I was like, Mom, is my voice that special? And my mom <laughs> – was like, I think you like to sing, Jack. <laughs> like, she was so, so she still is so supportive, but I think she was sort of managing expectations yeah. that, like, this girl, Carrie, was truly, like, she had a throat for made of gold. Right. And she sort of was like, you like to sing and you should keep doing that. I did. I did tons of musical theater. Uh, Summerstock, I decided that I'd go to school for musical theater. I did. I was, like, one of three gay boys in my program. It was all, like, football watching. It was bonkers to me. I thought I was going to move to Chicago and, like, meet all my fag friends. And instead they were all, like, want to watch the game on my phone and, like, eat Cheetos. And it was disgusting and I hated them. I don't. I don't hate them now. And a lot of them have had tremendous success. I had that at Emerson when everyone was like, you are about to go to fucking gay Garden of Eden. And then I was like, okay, this is the most pathetic thing. I went to Chicago College of Performing Arts. I thought it was going to be like, let's watch Liza with a Z and then, like, maybe give each other handies under the blanket. none of that. And it was, like, instead, like... None of that. Yeah, it's maybe play a Lady Gaga song, and that's it. It it was depressing. It was depressing. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I did that. I went to school and I wasn't really cast in a bunch of um, roles because while I could sing like leading man, tenor, ingenue stuff, something got in my way. Was it that I was too gay? Was it that I was too big? Was it, you know, was it that I was like hyper expressive? I don't know. But my senior year of college, second semester, right when you're like about to leave the door – a wonderful gay man named Dan Stetzel taught a class that's no longer at the college, but it was cabaret studies. <gasps> and we had homework and, and like you were to come with like you, you know, research Marilyn May and get back Holy to me next crap. week. And bring in two songs and interpret them in one like an up tempo and a down tempo. And oh my God, everyone was so checked out of this class. <gasps> Everyone, David, and I was like, "You could." It, am I, I at college now? <laughs> like, I was like, "This is the most exciting thing ever." So I took all the homework super seriously. Yeah. I brought in all these songs, and then I started loving. And then on my way out of a four-year musical theater conservatory program, I was like, "No, no, no! It's cabaret for me." <gasps> and I wrote that my very first show. And had it produced in like four weeks. I was so eager with my friend Sarah, who I was talking about earlier. It was called Driving on LSD, which stood for Lakeshore Drive <laughs> because I was um, was constantly driving Lakeshore Drive from my apartment to my university. And Lakeshore Drive like has this red light, this this light at Hollywood Boulevard, I think, in Edgewater, Chicago. And you're like Driving next to Lake Michigan, which is absurd because like the ocean, like there's like huge waves and it's like very – the Great Lakes are also like 3D printing. It's like what? Like I I don't get them. They're fascinating. Um, And I was like windows down singing at the top of my lungs and I think I was like crying. It was probably singing like back to before from Ragtime or something. And this guy was like watching me with like – as if I was giving him a private concert and it was so embarrassing but also so funny and special because I was like, I really am living in my car. So I wrote this cabaret sort of about how we sing in the car. Yes. And it was sort of centered about around that idea. You know, Um, what's interesting is like the earnestness thing is so interesting because, you know, I went to Emerson, which has this like musical theater program and every person I met in it was pathetic because Mm -hmm. they took themselves so seriously and a lot of them I think have kind of infused into the DNA of contemporary Broadway which are these like 19 year old blonde girls who like kind of, I'm thinking about the lead in Mean Girls they love a gem tone fun home of like this like chipper, eager, doe-eyed, yeah, um, and it comes off, yeah. And to yeah. me, it comes off very. It's so earnest, mm-hmm, and it's so mm-hmm. there's lacking any, any bite, any salt, any spice yeah. that it. It to me, it's dishonest, and I always associate that with earnest. Then, of course, when I discovered cabaret, Ugh. which you have. A Molly Pope. You have an Amber Martin. You Absolutely. have you who can go to earnest places while basically establishing like, don't worry, mm-hmm. you are in my little salon. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be bitchy and mm-hmm. salty and cunty and also be real. Oh, and we can do you. that whole yeah. spectrum rather than this like performativity of like 
goodness. I, I just yeah, really resent that in there musical theater. There is some goodness. Yeah. I mean, also, David, what's doing uh, driving on LSD in Chicago in 2011 in a bar that I was working at as a coat check boy at the time. And I was like, guys, I developed a cabaret. I was dating a pianist at the time and, you know, and I had a backup singer and I was just like, I'm mounting this show. They were like, go for it. Yeah. In addition to what you're saying, you're also just in a bar, you know, so things change. You're not watching Fun Home or Mean Girls. You're just in a fucking bar. And cabaret is so... I love that historically it has always taken place in a basement, in an attic, attic, attic. attic. <laughs> I can't say <laughs> words. A back room. Exactly. The back of a restaurant. Yeah. A bar. It's like it's not fancy. It's like super stripped. But basically I did I did that. I moved to New York. I did think I wanted a musical theater career. I had callbacks on Broadway for the Book of Mormon, and I was like, this is happening. Like, I'm going to be on Broadway. I remember standing in my kitchen in Park Slope and being like, oh, my God. Yeah. This woman from this casting office just gave me my first Broadway callback, and boom, shakalaka, it's done. Yeah. And then I went, and I was so nervous, and I'm not a tap dancer. And the feedback that they gave was... I mean, you said such sweet, nice things about my voice, but she basically was like, dude, take a tap class because you're singing rings around these boys. Wow. I never took a tap class because I was like, um, that's terrifying. And like, I don't don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I was really resistant to it. Um, and then it was, was, you know, a couple of years later that I was really unsure of what to do. And I started taking you know, survival jobs mm-hmm. and my identity shifted. Am I a gardener now? I know. You know, am I a this now? What am I doing? I'm in New York. Meanwhile, like loving what New York has to offer in yes. terms of, you know, sex in a park or the best restaurants ever. Uh, um, you know, Angie Cab- DiCarlo. Angie, exactly. <laughs> Playing Bette Midler on vinyl at, at Julius. At Please and thank you. A yes. cheeseburger at Julius. Making friends. Seeing the guy, people. the the cheeseburger. Uh, Is he the hottest person? Uh, you We lost our minds. Julius has this like dump potato factory where they make like disgusting <laughs> tacos. Meanwhile, they're being like flipped by... God oh himself. Oh my God, he smiles. Literally glistening skin. And there's that like crest like sparkle that came out of his mouth. He's the most handsome person who I've ever is seen. He? Yeah. Well, I thought he was not real for a minute. I His well, butt? We were also stoned. Oh. <laughs> and there was a moment when the three of us were just, I, Melissa was like, someone needs I to do something. Her. I love her too. We were, we were literally <laughs> slack jawed. We were like. I know. How could one well, not Well, Melissa, be? speaking of what you just said, Melissa said recently – so Melissa just did her solo show, the Ashley Simpson, the pieces at the duplex. And, you know, we've been talking about taking it to Edinburgh. And this is what she said uh. to me, which fucking – I was like, you are the, the bitch. She was like, you know, if I don't get a theater in Edinburgh, maybe I'll just do it at a gay bar. And I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. That right there of like – this is – I don't need to be above everyone. What what real, like, cabaret is and what New York is about and what drag, real drag mm-hmm. is about is, like, I am on the floor with you, bitch. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't need to be exalted. I am – we're all exalted together. And doing together. it in a gay bar is – like, it's the same That's thing. That's the point. Right. It's accessible. It's, like, walk in – and see someone who doesn't think they're fancy pants, who isn't like, I'm Kelly O'Hara, like, 
in right. the King and I at the Vivian Beaumont. Like, no. And it's then you're like, obsessed with him the rest of your life. That's absolutely. you going up to Molly Pope. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I don't really know. I, I did the New York City Gammons course. I don't think that, um, like, my husband and my friends would come to those concerts and they were like, there's 250 men. Why can we hear you still? Fuck. Like, you're not blending, kiddo. I and I wasn't. I know. And, um... <laughs> And I love fucking singing. It just makes me so deeply happy physically. It yeah. feels right. I feel like I get connected to something super big. Um, and I do sound different than other tenors. I have a like a bright, clear bell thing going on that the entire reason it's called Lady with a Song is because I Googled myself. And I read a review from that 2015 show, Two Drink Minimum, by an, a writer named Mark Dundas Wood, and he was like, Bartholay is a clear, natural-born belter. That much is certain. It does happen a bit often in the show, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. He could dog-ear a couple pages in which to release his inner Ethel Merman. And I was like, I've just been comp- – like, I think it was like a slight dig, but I was like, honey, you just called me Ethel Merman. Like, That's I- kind of like Christina Aguilera. <laughs> With Back to Basics, I remember my mom was like, she's like, she's, it's too much. It's like, too, she's, yes. she's like literally like pouring out with like this pouring this out. Yeah. And I so love that. When okay. I was at the Orchard Project, um, and for me, um, like, most people come to the show and they're like, I didn't know any of the songs except for one or two out of a 14 song set. And I love that. And yeah. I'm only ever going to serve Good. that. Um, I l- want to do a song that you've never heard of. Yeah. Um, but I love to go through like a Spotify deep dive of like click, 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 rabbit hole style. Yeah. And um, anyway, yeah, I stumbled upon uh, Ethel Merman's album Mermania. <laughs> 1976 live recording in Las Vegas and she opens with a lady with a song and I listen to it and the show is also existential right and the first lyric of the tune Roger Edens and Ethel wrote it together is who am I what am I doing here and the point of the song is if you find my songs are right for you I'll stay and sing all night for you I'm just a lady with a song and I was like, oh, my God, that's not only the opening. It's also my church. Like, it's, like, my ethos. It's my everything. Like, yeah. so, um, yeah. I love finding those. That happens every year with the Pointer Sisters. There's a song where I'm like, oh my God. how have I never heard this the before? The gifts that they've There will be us. these, like, deep cuts. Where you're, and I just had this. I was with Melissa last night, and I was like, have you ever heard the ABBA song, Nina Pretty Ballerina? No, I haven't. Okay. It's a, it's psychotic. It's similar oh where God. you hear it and you're like, what's – it's about <laughs> this woman who has a desk job, but every weekend she's secretly a ballerina. Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, this – Nina is her the name? The first movie I make, I'm buying the rights to the song. Absolutely. It's just one of the – yeah, when you discover it and you're like, oh, I have to, like, re-deliver this <laughs> to the world. Also, think of Nina. I mean – Gorgeous. Like nine to five during Monday through Friday, and then on the weekend she puts on her like that's point pretty much shoes. the lyrics. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, the discipline she must have. <laughs> I'm obsessed with. Nina. So I'm buying. Those We're not stars. talking enough about your theme music, okay? We're, we it's so good. Who Thank did you. it? I'm obsessed. Uh, beloved Brooklyn DJ Dope Shoes, Kristen Zwicker. Uh, Kristen favorite Zwicker. Nowadays, we love her. Thank you. Oh she my did it god. For free. 
Okay, well, we love her. The first time I ever listened, and, like, I just also love a Jay Jordan and an Amber Martin and a Mary Beth Barone. Like, so when I have tuned in, I just, like, that is so sexy, and I now want to know this DJ. It's like, I, like, listen to it, and I'm like, I'm turned on. Like, there's some groove and bop to it that I'm like, I don't know, I'm obsessed. Jay Jordan, also a Taurus, like you and me. Really? Yes. The brightest smile. Oh, divine. Angel. Also crest, like ding, like when he smiles. It's like the most yeah, beautiful looks smile. Like an character, yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. Um where were we? <laughs> um Abba finding bizarre songs. So now, um I guess I'm curious. I know you have a lot of exciting things coming up, and I'm curious about like what you wanna be focusing on. Wait, wait, actually no no no. I wanna yeah. kind of go back to one more thing. So mm-hmm. In terms of you, you, so you're reading these reviews about your voice, and you keep having these moments of people being like, "Honey, you're just not fitting." <laughs> yeah, into the yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when really did that shift happen? Of like, okay, I gotta. This is it. I don't have what other people have. I have something kind of special. Like I gotta respect this. Do you know that it maybe just happened? Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, do you know that it like? I I, I saw the shift too. Yeah. So in. <clears throat> Being essentially a production assistant for Lady Rizzo's show, um, Red, White, and Indigo, my complicated relationship with America or something. Great. And she's a stunner. She's a stunner. Um, She screams. Rizzo screams. And it's fucking lose your mind. Brilliant. Oh, my God. And she sustains. So she takes a deep breath in and she's in some mint gown and she is phonating in a way that I feel. I can feel it in my bones, and I also, you know, no one wants to be cocky, but I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can, like, take that deep breath and scream sing for the people in a way that you're just letting it all out. So at a certain point, we were talking, and she was like, you should really study with Barbara Mayer Kustern, who you've interviewed. Yes. Um, Truly the original ancient. (laughs) Oh, my God. 85. And And those gays... They they wait on her hand and foot. She's done it all for us. That's it's true. It's only natural that we would give everything we have in return for her. She's <laughs> the best. So, you know, uh, Rizzo, whose name is Amelia, she said, you should reach out. Yeah. And so I did. And I was like, I'm working on this show called Lady with a Song. And I sort of gave her the set list. And she's really, really focused. Like, we don't work a ton on music. We na- namely, like, vocalize. Like, vowels wow. and, like tension and tongue and space and jaw and she has a whole thing about the tiger versus the rooster like she's bonkers and it made sense to me and then I was doing my show at Pangea and people came and said I have never heard you let your fucking where are these noises coming from you know and it was like well they're just out like the jaw is open the story is there and I am just singing like I've never sang before and I don't think I've ever sang better in my life so I think it's sort of just happening that's amazing and I and if I ever get one of those vampire voices that says like Jack it's too late I look to a Rufus Wainwright who I think he's 44 now and, you know, I helped – I was his assistant while he was doing Rufus Does Judy live at Carnegie Hall. Fuck. Some of the songs with Stephen Aramis leading an orchestra in the original key. And it's a challenge. But I think I saw him at the Beacon last November 
and went to his after party and hugs and kisses. And I was like, you've never sounded better. And he said, I've never sounded like, I don't know what's happening. So I think they're there. I think that me 30 now really just being like, I am a singer. Yeah. Like I think it's, yeah, I'm just, just, just owning it in a way. In the 2017 V magazine interview between Stevie Nicks and Lana Del Rey, Steve, oh. which is incredible. Stevie Nicks does have a line where she's like, no one wants to talk about this cause I'm old, but I've never sounded better than I do. Right <gasps> And it, it was this moment no, of like, I do want to talk about oh, that. shit. Like, what if you actually got better and better? What if, like, you got more powerful? What if, like, you didn't miss out? What if, mm-hmm. like, what if you actually could keep developing? Mm-hmm. Which is very queer because I think straight people do this thing of, like, my wedding is the best day of my life, whatever. Oh my God. And it's like, no, like, it's, yeah. it hasn't come yet. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that. My wedding was actually, I think, the best day of my life. It was so, no, it was just so, it was super fucking gay. Um, A chorus of 12 of my friends sang a RuPaul song and like, like. Which song? um, Ooh. uh, It's okay, it's okay. But it's, it's, it's. You gotta love, like, what is it? Like, you have to love yourself. It's like, I had to change the lyrics because it was a little like not apropos of two people joining their lives together, but I changed it so that it could work. Um, Anyway, uh, it was the best day, but you're totally right that people do that. They, like, stop themselves and they say, like, I have to do all this prep work so that I can experience this joy and operate on this level, and then that day passes, and then people get comfortable, right? Like, I know that Lady of the Song has been, like, the best year of my—the best thing about my last year, and I'm also super excited to see what it gives birth to. That's really good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, because that means you're just, like, along for the ride. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. So so what what do you think comes next? We know that you are about to win an award. Oh yes, that's exciting. That was announced uh, what y- yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What? So what is it? So the Bistro Awards are thirty-five years old, and they are born out of Backstage Magazine, which Sherry Eaker, who is who runs the Bistro Awards, her father started Backstage, which is of course the famous listing where you go and find casting calls. So he started a cabaret review column. Uh, his name was Ira Eaker. And he, like we're discussing, sort of was like going to restaurants and bars and different venues and seeing things other than Brigadoon. Yeah. And he was obsessed. So he started a column. And so then I think there was a column called Bistro Bites or Bistro Bits. And they were just like covering Cabaret in New York City. Well, they've been doing that for 35 years. And um, and yeah, I found out that I'm winning that award, the Ira Eaker Special Achievement in Cabaret Award. Honey. Which – Sometimes goes to people who are, like, younger or, like, new on the scene, you know, rising up. But they said – and the thing that I like about the bistros, unlike the Mac, like, right now, I'm about to to talk shit for five seconds. Oh, my God. Someone come for me. I want to get in a fight over this. (laughs) Someone, like, drag me on Twitter or something. Yeah, I would love. Um, Basically, like, you right now could pay $50 and be a Mac member, and then you'd receive a ballot, and you could vote on all the shows that you've never seen. The Bistros have a committee of, I think, five or seven people, and they all have to see your show and unanimously agree that you're the person. Good. I just – because I just got nominated for a Glam Award, and ah! I voted, and I I was voting on shit I've never seen, and that's not good. 
Well, it's They force just, you to. It's there's not good. a way, you know, and like God bless Cherry Jubilee for building something yes. from nothing to what it is now at Sony Hall. I mean, I'll be there, honey. I cannot, cannot wait. wait. Yeah. Um it's super exciting, but there is, you know, you feel a little better when when you're like, yeah, people came and then they debated or they agreed or, you know, it's it's a little it makes me happy. But yeah, so I that's on March 9th and so I'll sing a number from the show. And I'll, I'll um, you know, give a little thank you speech. Last year I was the trophy girl. I literally like, handed people. <laughs> I know. And um, and then I will do Lady with a Song one more time Great. at Pangea, April 4th, which is a Saturday at 930. And then, like many of my muses or inspirational cabaret folk have done, you know, I'll put it out to pasture for a little bit. It just feels right. I do think, like, I know you said that the award usually goes to, like, newcomers. I do think you are going through a renaissance. Like, I do, I know you've been around, but I saw a layer, like, unpeel over the last seven or eight months where I was like, okay, she's here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and I I I had that that with myself, but I, I just felt this sense of, like, okay, like, the the knob on the radio just like kind of started clicking right onto your station. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You clearly have worked through some stuff and you're here. I I feel. Well, I think part of it was just limiting myself to, um, to thinking like I, I'm a certain age and, and certain things haven't happened or Mm -hmm. certain things have and really boxing myself in and it's like listening to someone like Bridget Everett be like, dreams don't have expiration dates that really shakes that idea up. That it's like, wait, why am I saying like I'm 27 and I've done X, Y, and Z, so that means I should become a dentist or whatever. I know. As opposed to like, yeah, when it, going to Angela DiCarlo's 50th birthday, I was like, no, queen, like you can be a clown until exactly. you're – until you die. Exactly. I mean, the people that I love to go see are the people who've been doing it forever and give themselves permission to be like, yeah, this is what I do. I'm not getting in my own way. Well, Barbara, too, Meyer Gustern, yeah. was not always doing this. She went, okay. Because yeah. she, too, has like, sh- she's told me her story. She, like, she for a long time was like, I'm done. And she, like, thought about ending it all. Mm-hmm. And really, in some ways, only in the last. I may be wrong about this, but, like, the Barbara we know, Mm -hmm. who's 84, Mm -hmm. is even – a lot of that's really recently come to her, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, you and Barbara are now just now working together for the first time. Yeah, I love her. You know? So, like, that's a new beginning for her. That's a new beginning for you. Yeah. Yeah. And she – We got to, like, like rocks – like a patent leather red heel and like chaps, and yeah. like has such fashion that I can't handle it. I know. Yeah, that apartment too. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm going there after we record oh, I'm because her eighty fifth birthday will be celebrated at Joe's Pub. Amazing. Tammy Faye Starlight and Penny Arcade host the evening luminaries such as Justin Vivian Bond and Machine Dazzle and Debbie Harry and yep. Molly Pope will participate. All the girls. And I'm all doing the Pope girls. an opening number from with like four other guys from Most Happy Fella um, wow. to just like honor Barbara and give her some That'll some kisses. Yeah. Like, yeah, you do belong with all those people. On I stage. love them. Thank you, you, you for saying that. You and Oh. I yeah. mean, JVB is is the true queen. Always has been. I She's got, a life changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I got Kiki and Herb live at Carnegie Hall from Sarah, which Julian Fleischer produced. Wow. Um, when I was like 15 or 16, and that was it. Wow. That was it. Wow, you were young. That's amazing. And I've seen, I think, every show that JVB has done. Yeah, I try not to miss them. Yeah, I don't miss them. It's yeah. church. It is church. Which, back to earnestness, like someone can make a joke at us right now for being like, you're calling that church, but it, it just is. There's Actually, no other way to say it. No, there's no <laughs> other way to say it. Like, Because it's, she is... Sandra Bernhard, when I interviewed her, she was uh, like, you need someone who's going to take this shit apart and put it back together for you. And that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's it, bitch. Mm -hmm. That is it. Like, that's what JVB does. In the hugest way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So, um, where can we be following you? Um... Well, if you know what, what we really could do is follow Jack Barthelet, B-A-R-T-H-O-L-E-T on Instagram and then message him and be like, hey, give up this handle <laughs> because it's not me. <laughs> I'm Jack Bartholay. Who is that? I don't know. He's a teacher. Have okay. I sent him several emails? I'm like, I'll pay for it. Just like let me have let, my name. Yeah, like you don't need he has it. like five posts, whatever. Yeah. No. I'm Jack Bartholay on Insta. I'm super quiet. I joined what in 2011 when it happened and I sure. have like 300 posts. Okay. I don't post a ton, um, but I do promote my show when I have one. Um, and my website's jackbartholay.com. And um, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I feel like there are 19 other things. Oh, yeah. We can no. go off. Oh, wait. And I will be the midnight singer at Julia's oh my God. Uh, at okay. the Mattachine Party on February, February 20th. 20th. So I will be there if you are a Luminaries <laughs> listener. Bitch, you can count on it. I will be there at midnight. You can eat a cheeseburger. You can see the dreamy man who flips them. And you can hear me sing something that after this podcast, I'm thinking is likely going to be ABBA. <laughs> Don't joke about that. I'm not. Um, we, we have a lot to talk about with ABBA. Yeah. Uh, I will be there. Um, okay. February 20th, April 4th at Pangea. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Thank, Thank you, you, David. I love you. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. And help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.